Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thank you for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education and hosted by Dr. Beverly Wright. Emory Continuing Education offers many certificate programs related to the practical application of machine learning, data science, advanced Python and Tableau, and other analytics tools and methods. These applied programs leverage experienced executives, academics, and practitioners with advanced degrees to deliver these Saturday courses typically taught in around 10 weeks. Learn more about the emerging technology programs at Emory Continuing Education to help boost your career advancement at ece.emory.edu. I hope you enjoy this episode of Tag Data Talk. Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and welcome to Tag Data Talk. With us today, we have Shelly Kunkel, and we're talking about the value of imperfection, embracing the realities of model building. Welcome to Tag Data Talk, Shelly. Hi, Beverly. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Um, Well, let's start off with some background. Can you tell us why are you so cool, Shelly? Oh, well, I'm probably not a very good um, barometer for what cool is, except for, you know, starting work at 14 and getting married pretty young. Everything else was like super late. I didn't get my undergrad until I was 28. I didn't um, have children until I've been married for 15 years. Um, I'm getting my master's in analytics now in my mid 40s, um, but it's, it's fun. So it's a different life cycle that my husband and I tend to be on. Um, we did spend some time in, in China prior to having kids. And so we have those experiences, um, but it, it's, it's fun. You know, I, I did spend quite a lot of time at Michelin. That's where I spent the last 16 years. In fact, um, but now I'm, I'm, you know, moving on to something new. So it's, it's always something different. Very exciting. 16 years. Wow. I think the longest yeah. I've ever been with one company is seven years. What was the last role that you held there? The last role was I was the global lead for customer data analytics. Very nice. Very mm-hmm. cool. And so you got to focus on, was it commercial customers or, or the, I guess, passenger vehicles? It was, it was really all all, all, all of those, but, um, you know, it was a global company. So there were lots of customers and lots of business lines, but yeah, consumer tires were the bulk of our business. Um, Very nice. Did a lot of work with, uh, um, business B2B as well. Yeah. Awesome. And you're getting your uh, master's degree. That's exciting. Yes. Finally. <laughs> master of science in analytics <laughs> or data analytics. science? Analytics. At okay. Georgia Tech. Yes. Very nice. You will understand. Yes. Yes. Very cool. (laughs) I love it. We're talking today about the value of imperfection. I absolutely love that you chose this topic for a tag data talk because um, it's something, it's kind of like the elephant in the room in a lot of data Mm -hmm. science meetings that there's imperfections and and our subtitle is kind of like embracing the realities of what it's like to build models. So let's start off by, um, when we talk about model building, what does that mean? Does that include... I don't know, simple descriptive stuff? Is that um, model model, like algorithms? Um, mm-hmm. what, what do we mean by, is that like a structure behind a process? What's model building? Mm-hmm. Good question. Uh, I think it can be many of those things. And it, uh, for me, it means an actual algorithm that has an output to it. So whether that's a simple you know, time series model for demand forecasting or regression to see relationships between different indicators to um, inform a marketing process or, you know, in one of the cases I've been doing was classification models with um, computer vision. So uh, all those things. And, and for me, I mean, there's a machine involved somewhere that's putting out some kind of output that you're meant to be using. Love it. Okay. So even something like um, the relationship between this and this, where you run like something, 
you know, simple correlation, or yeah. it could be like a complex um, convolutional neural net kind of model. Right. But either way, those, that's what you're considering a model. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And so we talk about this um, idea of like imperfections, like, <laughs> ooh, that's bad, right? But what are the different types? Like, what, what, how can we be imperfect? Yeah, well, we're always imperfect. You know, it's the famous um, saying, right? A forecast is always wrong. So, but, but what's interesting is when you're bumping into business people who are reading the literature and the marketing that's out there and how AI is going to forever change the world, which is probably true, um, they don't necessarily understand that there's always error in every model. You know, whether you're talking about your R squared that's coming from your, your simple linear regression or if it's the level of precision in your, your classification model, um, there's always error. And so that means you're never going to be 100% accurate with the output of the model. But um, they, the business people that you're you know, working with on these problems need to understand that by no means does that mean this, this output of this model is not useful and can bring incredible value, even with you know low numbers of, of precision and accuracy. So it, it can be a distraction, I'm afraid. Um, and so that's that's the challenge I came across in uh, some use cases. And so that's why I think it's really important to talk about and say, you know, um, and and you hear that in your classes, right? You know, that you don't expect to have these. Um, classroom textbook examples of your 92% R squared. It's just not a normal reality. Yeah. Yeah. But that, like you're saying, that doesn't mean you throw the whole thing out, but what, so we talked about model um, accuracy, I guess, and precision. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other ways that we can be like sort of imperfect? What, what, what would make a model imperfect aside from um, the, some of the diagnostics? Mm -hmm. Are there other things that like make you go like, Oh, I don't know if that's good enough or that's definitely not perfect. So what are, what are those things look like? One thing could be um, the lack of data. So I'm doing some work right now um, for a startup and we're looking at the demand forecast for them. And unfortunately they just don't have a lot of data points to work with, Um, but they have nothing. So, you know, what are they, are they going to just walk in every day and look at yesterday's orders and make a guess, or am I going to try and create some kind of forecast that they can start with? And knowing that, and, and this is always the case. It's always going to get better. You know, if you think about weather forecasting, you know, when, when I was a kid, it wasn't that good. Um, and they still get a bad rap. I feel sorry for those weather forecasters, but I think weather forecast is amazing now, you know, it's gotten so much better. And so it, we're always going to get better, but, you know, better to start with a little bit of data that you have than, than to not do anything at all. Um, yeah. What other imperfections? So I think lack of data can be a problem, although that's not a problem a lot of people are facing anymore, but, um, you know, well, it, it could be the, it could be the, um, even though we have a lot of data, it could be that it's the wrong data, you know, like, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, so <laughs> maybe, um, it, like we did some studies for the company where I worked, um, we did some studies about safety and with safety incidents. Like if you think about, you know, in a manufacturing plant, you guys are making tires or whatever, yeah. um, that, so safety incidents are going to occur, right? Yeah. And so you want to look at um, the type of equipment, you want to look at the processes, um, but you also want to look at the people, the material. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at the people, sometimes that's hard data to get, right? And so even if it exists, like how many hours were they trained? Were they wearing steel-toed boots? Um, do they what what is their personality? Like are they do they tend to be more risk takers? Mm-hmm. So things like that, um, you know, even if you have a ton of data, maybe you don't always have the right data, right? Yeah, for sure. Great example. 
Yeah. And um, things like COVID, we were saying that just come out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. So or, events. You know, yeah. Events, recessions. I remember when I first, um, I was living in China, I came back to work for Michelin and my job was to, to forecast the tire market. Mm-hmm. And it was in 2010. So we just lived through the, the big recession. And so all the old models, they're like, yeah, those don't work anymore. Wow. <laughs> so let's start again. <laughs> yeah. Reset. And I'm sh- that's absolutely happening right now with, with COVID. Yeah. This startup I'm working with is a healthcare startup. And there's some weird numbers in spring of this year that no one would have expected, you know, goes against the seasonality that existed for 10 years in the you know, wow. flu season. So it's, it's interesting. But Isn't yeah, it crazy? All these models we build now, it's like, boop, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well that's good work yeah. Yeah, we throw yeah. them all but out we, oh. we learn we learn we go learn. Look for new new data and new patterns yeah yeah okay so we might have model um imperfections related to the diagnostics of the actual model that we build mm-hmm. we might have imperfections that stem from a lack of data or the wrong type of data or um you know something even data quality it sounds like uh, we might have imperfections that are stemming from like a, um, a substantial lack of history. Like maybe this is a new phenomenon. What if, right. what if it's a brand new product? Like the first time a, you know, iPod was invented, um, there's no data to go on. We're trying to forecast right. iPod sales. Like, so maybe a lack of history. And there's also um, event-based. So there's four, four different types of um, imperfections. What about, what about if we deliberately use the less predictive model is that considered an imperfection like if we if we want to use i don't know um some fancy model like structural equation modeling but we know the business is not going to understand it so maybe we go with like regression because that's what they're yeah. used to do and we can do that and we piece together multiple just to make it easier for them to what about is that considered imperfection does that mean we, we just yeah i think it could be but that's a good that's a great example of the topic i was thinking about that earlier because I remember interviewing some senior staff right when we were getting into predictive and prescriptive modeling and asking directors, you know, what would you be looking for? And mm. the guy said, one of the directors, no black box. Ah. If I can't understand it, I don't trust it. Oh, really? Wow. That yeah. is interesting. So it's got to, yeah. in other words, it better be simple enough. If, if he's not like a data scientist, then it better be really simple that, mm-hmm. um, even if he's never heard of that method, at least you have to be able to completely unpack it and make sure he understands what's going into yeah. it. Yeah, and better to have a model that's actually used by the business oh, heck yeah. some value than some great model that nobody will touch. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of, um, you know, now that we understand kind of what is model building, what are some of the ways of imperfection, how is this still useful? Because that's the main theme, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, what you just said, like, is it better... Is it where and where does this mindset come from? Are, is this our fault in academia? Like, are we making this happen? Because we're like, so. How are imperfect models still useful? Yeah, I think it's hard because uh, it's like an A student accepting a C. <laughs> that's what it feels like, <laughs> and that's very uncomfortable for people that want to make A's and are used to making A's. They're like, I can't use a model that's only you know sixty percent accurate. Um, but that's where you have to be very pragmatic. So we've often heard it said that the, you know, the best quality for a data scientist is curiosity. Well, number two has got to be pragmatism, um, right? Because there, 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 there's a ton of value. So let me just briefly go into this use case. So I was working on this classification um, image recognition project for Michelin, and we were trying to identify damages in tires 
And that's because there's a quality group and they have these experts who they can look at any, you know, weird stuff happens to tires. <laughs> Just, you know, you can't imagine. I've seen thousands of pictures of these tires and it can be external, you know, it could be heat, who knows, it can be something we need to do better in our product. But there's a small group of quality people that are expert in looking at these images and they can say, this is so-and-so. And there's, you know, hundreds of these different types of damages. Well, they can't, we can't take all those people and give them to our customers to help the customer better understand what's happening with their tires. So our, we use our salespeople as a proxy. We train them really well, but it's not what they do every day. So we said, hey, let's use AI to try and, you know, make the, this, you know, basically impersonate this, this uh, quality expert. And so when I first started this project, working with the quality team, they're saying, hey, we, you know, we require that we must have 99% accuracy because that's exactly what we get from our people. And otherwise, you know, this is useless. And so I kind of kept my mouth shut at first. And I just started, you know, looking at what we had. And I developed a model that was 70% accurate. But I went back to them. I said, okay, you know, here's how this works. And by the way, with classification, you have this concept of threshold, right? And so you have a lever that helps you control, you know, what, what goes through the sieve and what doesn't. And if something isn't good enough, then you pass it to the people. And there's always going to be this, you know, what I call the undecided bucket. Okay, the, the algorithm wasn't confident enough, so we stuck it over here. So somebody has to look at it. But by the way, it, it took 50% of the workload and did it. Um, is that interesting to you? And then that's when they were like, oh, okay. So even if the model isn't 95% accurate, you're telling me I can automate half of the work? Okay, I'm yeah, still good. Yeah, where, where is this coming from, Shelley? Like, do we is this because um, a lot of data scientists are perfectionists? Like, is it do you think it's a personality thing? Do you think it's what just or is it the nature of the beast? I mean, yeah, for me personally, I, I, you know, because I've seen myself struggle with it, it's just hard to um, not do what we consider the best. Mm. You know, if we know there's there, we know there's something out there. In fact, this is a first iteration, the model I'm talking about. We knew it was going to get better. There are things we knew we could do with right. you know, image reprocessing or whatever to make it better. Right. Uh, to say, okay, let's just evaluate what we can do with this right now. But I, I would say, yeah, it's probably this drive to do the best work we can. And, and because we're analytical, you know, it never ends. <laughs> oh, oh like it can never end. It can never, I mean, it's crazy because I remember in the nineties before there was real machine learning that was applied on a regular basis. Now, you know, like there is now, but now you can run something through and, and see like, Oh, here's, here's 20 top models and here's how well do they predict this thing or whatever. Well, that wasn't a thing back then. And so I was manually doing that so i would create a model look at it and be like i can do better let me transform this variable let me change that let me modify this let me try a different method and so i kept iterating and iterating and iterating to try to make it better 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 because i'm trying to build a brick house but i think i think a lot of it is like you said where um we've got a level kind of talent trying to do you know except like oh it's a c i I mean no i can't let me let me do more you know it's like we don't want to we don't want to accept that, but the reality is that we have a lot of models to run. We have a lot of questions to answer. We have a lot of data to analyze, mm-hmm. and that sometimes it's time to stop. And plus, yeah. how many more hours are we going to put into it before we get something right. like incrementally exactly? So you got Long that curve. Returns. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah, and, so. in, and in most cases, I was thinking, you know, gosh, in some situations, you know, having that kind of accuracy is good. But I think this is where 
you also, this is where the people I was working with were getting stuck. Um, it's the final product versus how does the model fit in the process of creating the final product? Mm-hmm. They were thinking that the, this AI thing was just going to be, you know, living on its own and it had to perform at that level. Like, no, no, no. You know, it's like the core sandpaper here and it, it gets the rough edges off, but then we're going to, we're going to pass it to the people that are going to do all the fine tuning. Right. The, end product, the end product is still your 99%. You're not giving up quality. Right. You're just saying, I'm going to use this brick right here. That's going to take away, you know, 50% of my work. Bang. Um, but I do think there are some cases where, you know, I think about like Amazon's um, predictions on delivery. Yeah. You're not babysitting that. Right. So, but um, I know I've been burned by some of their predictions. <laughs> like you said it would come today. Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. But it's all, it's a matter of risk, right? You know, what am I, what's my risk versus the effort I'm willing to put through. And I think too many times we, we make the risk to be too high. Uh, you know, what's, and that, I think that's the question that we would need to ask ourselves is, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen mm-hmm. versus what's the benefit I can get by putting this thing out there now. Oh, Okay. Who's the tougher sell? Is it harder? Like, are the, is it the business, the people that are consuming the analytic, are they sort of expecting perfection or is it the data scientists that are expecting perfection? Like, who do you think is, we're going to have to convince that it's okay <laughs> to not be perfect? Oh, uh, in my experience, it's, it depends on who it is. For me, the, it was probably more the, the data scientists, but the quality group, they, you know, that's their job. Is, yeah. you know, it's, we're talking about Michelin tires here. You know, we don't, can't do anything that's less than 100%. So in that case, it was them. But I think in, you know, if I'm working with salespeople, um, I would see this in just BI type stuff. You know, they're, they're just like, oh no, you know, that's good enough. You know, oh, don't, okay. Don't I go see. crazy, please. Um, give me something now, you know, faster, quicker. Um, forget about all those little details. You know, so some sensitivity. Directionally with, okay. You know? Yeah. So with <laughs> time, do you think, so time makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, the actual decision they're trying to make, it sounds like, um, makes yeah. a difference. Like the context makes a difference. The personality of the person accepting it makes a difference. So it sounds like um, all these factors that you just mentioned, uh, the, 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 you know, it's just a decision to say like, should we go after this audience or that audience? It's not, it doesn't really need to be like incredibly precise versus if we're trying to make right. a decision that, you know, um, this might kill 20,000 people or you right. know, I'm exaggerating or save 20,000 people. We would want that to be like super precise. So maybe yeah. all these sort of things kind of tie into it. But I think by and large, what you're saying is, um, is that we as the data science analytics community are probably worried too much about having our models like perfect every time mm-hmm. when there is really a lot of value oftentimes in mm-hmm. imperfect models. Agreed. Yes, for sure. Very cool. So uh, as a final piece of advice, what would you say to an analytics professional that's trying to better embrace imperfect models? I would say, you know, step back, um, always step back and stop and, and think about, you know, if you presented something to your business partner that, you know, that could give them some value and think about what the value is. Um, okay. I was in this example I was telling you about. They they kept saying ninety nine percent accuracy, and I'm like, well, what does that mean now? So we're talking about a process that you're trying to change. So what if I told you that I could automate you know, X percentage of this process? What would that bring to you? So I would say put the the value of the model in terms other than the accuracy. Mm. You know, make it make it real, make it dollars, make it um, hours saved, something like that. That makes it a lot more tangible for yourself and for the business people you're serving. And then do that evaluation of risk versus reward. 
That's fantastic advice. So don't look at it as the diagnostic of the model as much as here's what kind of impact this um, potentially imperfect model might have. <laughs> That's, right. That's great. I love it. Awesome. Thank you again to Shelly Kunkel for talking to us about the value of imperfection, embracing the realities of model building. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education. I'm Dr. Beverly Wright. Have a great data set.